Okay. Three, count nine again? Yeah. Okay. Ready? One, two, three. So here's what happened as a proud member of the But Why Though podcast community. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of So Here's What Happened. I'm your host, Nisha. And I'm Carolyn. And yes, we are back for another episode of So Here's What Happened. We are excited to be back again. We, this is a monthly podcast, but I feel like this is, we just got done recording not too long ago. We were just saying how like fast this month has gone by. Um, so how have you been, yeah. Carolyn? I've been health-wise, not that great, but overall, eh. <laughs> I'm sending you all the good vibes. Thank you. Much appreciated. I got you. Um, well, let's dive into it. So let's get into the book corner. Um, um, I'll start off. I have, again, I have not had time to like read an actual, well, sorry, I won't judge myself already. <laughs> Books are books. If you find whatever you like to read, it's reading. Um, so yeah. I read a manga and it's called Aono Flag. Um, it's described as the youth pure love story begins with three students in their third and final year of high school meet during a time when they are worried about paths for their futures. Waiting for them, waiting for them are sweet, painful and, and heart trending, heart ending days. So, Yeah. I've decided to read an emotional love manga about these high school students. <laughs> and I thought it was like, oh, it's drawn cute and it's about love. And I thought it was going to be okay and happy. And there's just so much <laughs> mm-hmm. to unpack. I I will say there is a bit of a love triangle and I don't like, it, which can be expected. Carolyn made a face. <laughs> I was just going to say, is that like standard though for like well, mangas like- and like Asian entertainment? I know, I know. And it's a manga and it's about high school and it's slice of life. So you know it's bound to happen. But so I'll give the premise. So one friend, the guy, his name is Taichi. And he's just, he's the friend to the very muscular, handsome, tall baseball player friend who's popular and everything. And well, what happens is Taichi becomes friends with a girl who has a crush on his best friend. And what happens is he decides to help her. Um, what eventually happens is that shenanigans and love and people have confusing feelings. And it turns out that there is another person who's in love with this triangle. So it's almost like the side switch of direct the directions for who loves who. Mm-hmm. And it basically becomes revealed that Taishi's friend, the ba- the popular baseball guy, he is in love with Taishi. What? Yeah. What? twist <laughs> a twist and that's like the latest twist and i like so early on in the beginning you get the idea that he is in love with him because he tries to hide it and i thought mm-hmm. like this this is something i haven't seen before like where again this is a japanese manga where you get these kids and usually you can figure out who's gonna fall in love with who and you you and that was, i found that surprising like oh they really went there he actually said i love you to him yeah it's kind of like now they're now they're at the point in the book where taiji the main character he doesn't know what to do he doesn't want to lose his friend but he also is trying to process what does he mean he loves me so but he and he's already started a relationship with the girl because he Uh and her like they love each other and then but like what i really liked about it is that i feel like it's very 
progressive. I feel like when I've read manga before, they kind of make joke gay jokes and everything. Mm. But I feel like this one is pretty progressive for like how a teenager is one hiding and also discovering their sexuality. Mm-hmm. And you you see um, his best friend. I'm sorry, I can't remember all the names because there's so many. But it's like you see him as like he's this popular kid. He's well liked. All the girls love him. All the guys want to be him. But you see him always smiling. Yeah. But then you realize, oh, he's been hiding the secret for the last 10 years. He knew that he loved him since they were like in grade school. Uh, okay. Yeah. And so it's like he's always and then he's and then he continues to cheer him on when he gets in when he becomes when he gets a girlfriend. So it's kind of like, wow, <laughs> it's and you just realize, oh, he's been in that much pain. And he and now it's like this big crossroads for their friendship. Where does it go from here? So is that how so. it ends up or is it like they're a cliffhanger? That's a cliffhanger. I have not gotten the new chapter for almost a month and a half. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I need the new chapter as soon as possible because I'm irritated. I need to know <laughs> what's going to happen. Because on the one side, I want them to remain friends. Like, I don't want yeah. their friendship to end. But, like, I also want to know, like, well, what? Is, how does he feel about him? Does he, does he feel the same? Does he not know how he feels? But then it's like he also is in a relationship with somebody. And it's like they're all exactly. trying to figure out they're trying to figure out what to do with their lives right now. They're in their third year, so they're going to be going to college. So this is their time to go be deciding to go to college. Right. So they're so they're like, about what? 17, 18? 10, 10, yeah, 17, 18. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I I truly encourage y'all to check it out. You can t- you can find this on Amazon. It's a great read. I enjoyed it. Um, but also there's other things like it's like cute little you get to see like how a girl is in love with a guy and then like the one friend is trying to help her and everything. I don't know what the trope there's a trope name for it probably, but I just I'm a sucker for that where the people who are trying to help the person fall in love fall in love anyways. Uh, I love love. That's like a, te- that's like a, yeah, that is a real trope because that happens a lot in um, K-dramas too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where you think it's, it's the one who was in front of you the whole time. Exactly. There is a thing, actually in K-dramas, they, there, is, there is a term for it. It's called second least syndrome. Um, so that's mm. FLS. So it's like where you, as a viewer, there's the second lead, because usually there's always three leads. So there's always the, the main love, the two, the main two main characters, mm-hmm. which is male, female. Then there's always either a female or a male that's the best friend of one of the leads. And mm-hmm. usually that's the one you're always like, so this is set up, the writer set it up, like it's unrequited love. So it's the same kind of situation where like you have one person, like they've been always in love with their best friend for all these years, but then their mm-hmm. best friend falls in love with this person. They're like, oh, you're my friend. So I'm going to support you despite the fact I have this huge crush on you. And it's like, it's real. That's how real life is. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is for for these kind of things, why it's why it's such a phenomenon in um, Asian dramas, because not just Korean, is because sometimes it's the chemistry of the actors themselves. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes they have like chemistry with the not with the lead, but with the supporting actor. You're like, this is who I want you to be yes. with. Like this is who you should be with, simply because the two of you are smoking hot on screen. Forget right. the lead. I want you with them. So it's kind of this phenomenon. So like it, that. And it's interesting because a lot of the Asian dramas are based on webtoons or mm-hmm. mangas. So it kind of like that is kind of like what influences those kind of like that trope in um, in like mangas and on the shows as well and the films. So mm-hmm. they're kind of playing to each other. But it's it like those kind of things, that's like 
life, right? That's teenage life. Like when we're going into yeah. like transitioning from high school or secondary school for me into like university or college, there's always this, the thing about, yeah, where your next step in life academically, but also like, mm-hmm. do you continue these relationships from school and will they survive into your transition into becoming an adult, right? So it's like, yeah. you always have these huge, all these big things to worry about at such a pivotal age. People are like, oh, you're young. I'm like, do you not remember when you were 18 and 18 that you were struggling with your love life and with school too? Like, it was not easy being young. It is not. And that's the thing, like, I when I when I read this, I have to remind myself, like, these are teenagers. These are, these are babies dealing with yep. such, such hard problems. Like, and then there's the other thing where there's another, there's a girl. So the, there's two girls. I'm sorry. I'm feeling terrible that I cannot remember character names. Again, y'all, it has been a long month and I finished reading this like th- two weeks ago, but again, read the book anyways. <laughs> you like, read the book. Um, so the other girl, she is also, she's the one that, for, I remember the guy's name. His name is Toma. So mm-hmm. Toma is in love with Taishi and they've been friends since they were like five years old. So, right, so, right. So Toma and the other girl, she's older. She's tall, also beautiful and everything. And she confronts him. She's, and she's like, you're like me. You like the same, you like the same kind of people. And it's like, they keep being very vague about it. But then as you think that you like, you see them like interact and they talk and everything, you, you find that they, they, they confide on, they almost are each other's confidants because mm-hmm. they know each other's secrets, but it's like, they also kind of like dislike each other. But then it's also, yeah. there's like one chapter where she actually says it out loud. And she like has this very in-depth conversation with an adult that she mm. trusts. And she says like, is it wrong for me to like girls? Is it wrong for me that I find that I want to be with a woman instead of a man? And the, and the adult like had a very like good reaction to it. I'm just like, it's nothing's wrong with you. Like not, you're not broken because she's been feeling like she's broken and that she's messed up for yeah. liking the opposite sex for liking for not liking the opposite sex. And she feels like there's something wrong with her. And I was just like, Oh, Sweetie, no, there's nothing wrong with you. Like you're, you're 16. You don't know. You, you have so much. To, you have so much life. Don't like. Don't make you feel like you're broken. But again, yeah. being 16 and trying to figure out all your feelings. That's. A, I don't want to. I don't want to experience that yeah. again. We're adults and life is still confusing for us. <laughs> I. I would hate to be going through that as an adult. I surely don't want to go through it right now. As a. I would not want to go back not. and with it in high school. I would not be 16 again, Mm-mm. but I no. Yeah. I'm thinking about it. The only thing about being 16 is not having to pay bills. <laughs> I had the, you know, we, we had the luxury of not having to pay bills, but technically I still kind of did because I had part-time jobs in summer and I still had to give my mom yeah. a portion of my paycheck, you know, for your electric bill. So like, <laughs> even then. Didn't ha- I, I didn't have student debt at 16. That yeah, I did not have. I, yes, that's. Yeah, exactly. that's the only good thing about it. I'm like, I'll go back to high school because mm. I can tell myself you need to go and take these classes ahead of time. Yeah, and get more money. Yeah, secondary school back um, home. Is, yeah, tertiary education is free back home. So, yeah, that's the only thing. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and less responsibilities, but not that much. <laughs> yeah, man, I would not go back <laughs> to that time. Life is hard. Oh, no, but I love reading about it. I love reading high schoolers. <laughs> going through it so I don't have to Um, so yeah again y'all that book that that manga is called I I don't know flag I recommend reading it it is not all sad and tears it has sweet moments in it too so if y'all are looking for some romance manga in your lives check it out Mm -hmm. yeah well for me 
Um, I didn't really read anything this month, but what I did order, um, mm-hmm. I ordered this first copy of Scorpio, which is written by John Robinson the fourth, mm-hmm. and the artist is um, Cesar Oliveira, and colorist is Viviana Sp- Sp- Spinelli, and it's a original comic, mm-hmm. and it's about this. I'm going to read the synopsis for you. Again, I didn't read, I didn't have a chance to read it this mm-hmm. month, but I'm going to read it for everybody. I'm telling you guys because I want you guys to go and support because it's by written and produced by people of color. So, um, so the story is Where Shadows Belong. So this is the first chapter. And so the synopsis is Daniel Shim is a 26-year-old year old millionaire. He is an innovator and a pragmatist. To him, astrology, spirituality, and the supernatural are all are for children and the weak-minded. But the relic hidden in a dark lockbox says otherwise. What happens when he doesn't answer his legacy? What happens when the legacy doesn't take no for an answer? Now, the reason why I'm interested in this comic, because I'm going to talk about this in another one, is because not only is the male protagonist um, Asian-American, he's Chinese, um, but the lead female character, which I believe is also going to be his love interest, is a black woman. So mm-hmm. now that's something we don't often see in media periods. So not only in TV shows, but in comics. Um, Nisha, you know more about comics than I do. Like, I can't think of any characters that I know from comics where you had an Asian male and mm-hmm. a black female um, couple. I mean, none, none that are mainstream. Like I yeah. can't think of, I can't think of anybody who is like, poof. like, of course, like not like a Batman or Superman or like a Green yeah. Lantern. Like I can't, I can't think of somebody who's like a DC or Marvel character who is like of some huge substance in like the comic book world. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure maybe I would, I say maybe as in like, I truly don't know. I With haven't, really I've never read one. Mark. Yeah, I so I think this is the first one, and I know so like um and so this comic is really because like it was funded partially by GoFundMe, which um Mm -hmm. John had done through Twitter, and like that's the power of Twitter because it allowed him to finance making and producing this comic, which is very uh, which is needed because again we don't have much media with interracial Mm -hmm. couples, especially Asian and Black. Um, But I'm looking forward to this one, and then the other comic that I'm intending to read um coming up is. Greg Pak's original comic called Ronin Island, and um, it's based it's basically a, a, a combination of Korean and Japanese culture, and so I'm really looking forward to it because it's about samurai, hey, and <laughs> martial arts, and I'm really looking forward to those two. So you can find information for both of them on their website. So when we do the blog post, I'm gonna link the two the websites for both of the comics Perfect. into them. And so, again, I'm just looking forward to reading um, original content and, like, getting into comics because I haven't read comics in years. Well, not years. Because mm-hmm. the last comment I read was a Black Panther comment that was, like, last, early last year after I got them when I went to Comic-Con. So, but before that, I haven't read comics in years because, like, they were expensive. Mm-hmm. I'm an adult and I can afford comics occasionally now so yeah i want to get back into that and i agree that's like such like i love manga and shonen jump put out an app that's 199 a month so i can read the chapters and that has been life-changing for me so i understand the comic american comics is expensive north american 
yeah like mm. growing up in Barbados they were expensive like mm. I would only get them if my brother or his friends had them and I would like run away with them and read them and like the one of the few comics that I had for myself I had a first edition of the Dark Phoenix saga Ooh. and my mom threw it away <gasps> and apparently it's worth money now I'm so pissed about that so I'm still kind of bitter about that my mom because it was a gift someone gave to me someone like knew that I like comics so she's like here I have this first edition Dark Phoenix saga and oh, yeah no. bad memories guys moving on <laughs> so yeah so like, that's my thing so I, I didn't do much <laughs> reading so for Marvel, but I'm trying to get back into like reading and especially comics because and especially because Marvel is going to be producing finally the yeah, confirmation that Marvel is officially going to do Shang-Chi I want to get into yes. the Shang-Chi um, storyline so I want to start reading that too mm-hmm. um so I'm really looking forward to reading comics going forward so yeah yeah that that now that we have confirmation that's happening i actually am like interested in getting into that too so i'm excited to see what you find because i'm basically gonna live vicariously through you if you're already gonna do it (laughs) so i know what i know what comics to find well thankfully there's quite a few people on twitter um that i follow that are like really it's a comic that like really know their stuff like Derek so like mm-hmm. if I want any recommendations we have I have him and a few people to like give me recommendations on comics to read because I don't want to read like a whole bunch of things I want to try mm-hmm. to focus on like particular storylines and particular characters because yeah. I don't want to overwhelm myself and I'd be like mm-hmm. yeah no. I can't that's exactly why I had to stop I'm like I'm just gonna read manga for a little bit because I got tired of like I gotta read this issue of Justice League to know what the heck is going on with mm-hmm. Wonder Woman and I'm just like I don't have time. I can't do this. Yeah. <laughs> but I, it's gotten better since then with that stuff. But I did want to make a comment on what you said because this is kind of related to like entertainment news. Cause you like the comment you said about like we don't really see the interrelation, interracial relationship of like an Asian man and a black woman. And this is coming like ahead of like um Ronnie Ching and Susan Wakoma. Like yes. you, how everyone saw that and everybody got super hyped and were excited. <laughs> That was going to be the best. I was like already imagining like they're both hilarious. They're going to kill it in this romantic comedy TV series. And then we all read the article and we found out they're the supporting cast. Man, we were like, everyone was like, I was like, come on. Because I remember mm-hmm. I spoke about it. It was like, oh, isn't it always like this where we get our hopes up only for them to be dashed mm-hmm. by the And they know movie. what they did. Yeah. They know what they did. They know what they did very misleading so i was just like and i'm like when i looked at the main characters i'm like who are these nobodies why are why is ronnie and susan the supporting cast i don't know these people <laughs> i don't know who these main characters and i put main with air quotes i'm like who are these people i don't recognize them okay sure uh, fine whatever i'm going i encourage everybody to watch and we're going to be shipping Ronnie and Susan end up together in the series more than the main characters. Well, uh, see, now that would be interesting to see because usually when you have these kind of romantic comedies, usually the way how they have it is the best friends are always in this acrimonious relationship. The two couple, the cup, the main couple is together, but then it's always the two best friends are always mm-hmm. like acrimonious with each other. So it'd be interesting to see if they do that whole trope where like my best, she's my best friend, but I hate you because you're his best friend. And God, I never did that came out. I wonder if they'll do that mm-hmm. or if they'll make them friends. But then if they make them friends, will it be because solely to get the lease together? Kind of like what happened in that, um, the rom-com with Tay Diggs and Le- Lucy Liu. Yeah. I'm kind of like, I wonder if that's what they're going to do. And I'm like, I hated that because I'm like, yes. I wanted more of Lucy Liu and Tay Diggs. I'm like, I thought the yeah. film was going to be about them, not about the couple, not about the two assistants yeah. putting them together. So like, yeah, it'd be interesting, but 
we'll see how that shakes out but yeah we need more comedies films with like interracial couples that are not white with a person of color we want interracial couples between Mm -hmm. people of different race uh, between people of color and of different ethnicities people because it's not only interracial relationships aren't only about um race it's about ethnicity too you can have um Mm -hmm. inter i'm I'm trying to figure out there's a term but inter-ethnic relationships people like that's a thing Yep, you know, because different cultures, different ethnicities have different cultures, and it's interesting. Interesting to see those kind of dynamics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you, like you said, you got to be specific because Hollywood mm-hmm. thinks interracial only means one thing: a white and every other, every anywhere else. Yeah, exactly. Oh, but that's a great way to segue into the TV corner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I talked a little bit about TV news, so I will share mine. I watched, I binge watched all of it: Love, Death, and Robots. This is that's what I was going to talk about. <laughs> yeah, look at us we're on the same wavelength uh, I, love, I love when we do this and when we don't plan for it um, so yes love death and robots and let's get into it mm-hmm. so I'll read the synopsis and then we can just go back and forth yeah so it this is a collection of animated short stories spans several genres including science fiction fantasy horror and comedy world-class animation creators bring captivating stories to life in the form of a unique and visceral viewing experience the animated anthology series includes tales that explore alternate histories life for robots in the pat and the post a post-apocalyptic city and a plot for and a plot for world domination by super intelligent yogurt among the show's executive producers is oscar nominated director david fincher i Mm. just figured that might as well read the whole thing yeah (laughs) um but yeah i loved it I, i i i mean i just like really really enjoyed many of the stories it's hard to say like as a whole i loved everything because i can just like pick out things that i really enjoyed from i love i love anthology series i like when you can just like sit down and watch episode 10 without having to watch the previous ones i can Mm -hmm. go back and rewatch the ones that i liked most like the first one i felt like it was very powerful um because that's the one where you find out that the girl is she fights like life or death with like I don't know how to put it it's kind of like Pacific Rim they put up their yes the first yes. one right yeah yeah the first one I'm like whoa I want more and then you just go into a new episode and I'm just like but I want more of mm-hmm. that thing that we just saw but then you get into another thing so it's very I don't know how to put it like I just it's very intriguing how like each of these stories w- make you want to know more about each episode but at the yeah. same time, you get sucked into the next episode, too. But that's the thing about anthology series, whether it's a um, a TV show or mm-hmm. a books, right? Like, you always, like, if they're, because they're sharp vignettes of, like, isolated stories, and they make mm-hmm. you want more. But then sometimes it's, some of them, like, especially for Love That Throw, but some of them felt like complete stories, and some of them mm-hmm. felt incomplete. Yes. And like there's somewhere the way they ended even though they ended on a cliffhanger you were like okay i can see where the story's going so i can imagine yeah. how it can end so i don't need more but then there were some of them like uh what, what the hell just happened mm-hmm. um <laughs> yeah yes um i want to but i'm curious to know do you have a favorite um i think because I, I didn't watch all um okay. i think the last one i watched was zima blue okay. um so which was episode 14 i could not I I could not like this show was giving me a headache because we're gonna get into oh, yeah. it but the all the nudity I'm like but what is the freaking point it is <laughs> but 
I would probably say my favorites are Lucky 13, mm-hmm. um, Good Hunting, Beyond the Aquila Rift, yeah. um, Sony's Edge, and The Witness. I really like The Witness, even though it had like, a lot of like, ridiculously needless nudity. I like the mm-hmm. whole story of like, repeated like, time, timelines. So yes. I like how they... It started out one where you're thinking, oh, she's running from the murderer, but then it turns out she's the murderer because it's like they're like stuck in a time loop. So I thought yes. it was really interesting the way they did it. So I really like that and the animation. Like I think that mm-hmm. my favorite thing about the series is the different styles of animation and how detailed mm-hmm. they are. Like some of the detail in some of these animations is ridiculous. Yes. Like the, I kept on having to pause it and be like, is is that a real person or is that digital? Yeah. Because it it's all like digital, Lucky Thirteen. Lucky Thirteen was the one that really got me. Like I, mm-hmm. I know it looks so lifelike, but you mm-hmm. know that it's like all digital. But yeah. like, and Mira Wiley, snap! Just I love her. Um, I love. The, I was surprised to see. I was like, oh my god! Right? Yeah. I was just like, oh, oh, she's in this. Great! And it's just like she did a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, just I, I wanted more of that. But I, like you said, there's some that just feel like complete stories. And then there's ones. I think there was only one that had actual people, like live people. And I think Which that might have been the last one. Oh, sorry, you haven't gotten there yet. No, um, that that was so. The last one is the Secret War. So that's episode eighteen. Secret War. I believe it's got like um. Not Toby McGuire. I mi- I mix up him up because it's the guy Topher Grace. He's oh, in it. Okay. The guy who was in um, you know, that 70s show in Spider-Man 3. Oh, I'm looking at the thing page. It's Ice Age. Okay, Ice Age. That's yeah. the one. That's 16, where I think they are like actually real, but then I after like watching the digital like <laughs> animations for so long, I was just like, are they real people or are they fake? Mm. I can't mm. tell anymore. But I understand what you mean because um witness did give me a headache a little bit because, but I also found I had to go back and watch it a second time because I was just so, so interested in like the art. Yeah. Of, it, like, of the world, like how everything is just seems like so discombobulated and confusing. And I don't know if that's meant to match the, the, the characters, um, I, maybe what's going through their mind. I think so. Because like that one was different because that one was more like a comic to me. Because mm-hmm. even though, like, the animation for the characters, and it was, to me, reminded me a lot of a manga, which I'm, I'm guessing yeah. it was probably inspired by, is there's, you have the realism in, like, the characters. They look very real, like, mm-hmm. like the detail for the um, anatomy is very detailed and everything. But then yeah. there's certain things that you see the words pop up on the screen, like, with a comic. Like, you see, like, mm-hmm. bop, like, you know, like, the sound effects that things will make. You see, like, the word pop up on the screen. So that, was, to me, was yep. kind of unique and different. Um, oh, I forgot mm-hmm. to mention another one that was really, really good was Helping Hand. Um, this is the one yes. with the astronaut. Like, yo, I saw this. I'm like, this is, like, movie quality right here. This could make a full, yeah. this could be a full movie. It could have been a whole movie, which, like, that's another thing that I liked about it. It's like, I don't know if this is Netflix's way to, like, give creators a back door mm. into oh here's a full series or here's a movie because i feel like netflix is coming to this point where they have to get more content like they can't just keep i mean they're well past the point of like only hosting content from studios like disney and marvel and whatever else they can get their hands on they're putting out their own movies and their own series like i mean they announced that whole project with all these famous animators like um there's a there's so many people 
um, Alex Hirsch and a few others that I follow on Twitter are, are involved with like this animation program. So like, I know like Netflix is giving opportunity to creators and stuff, which mm-hmm. I think is great. And I kind of want to see like, okay, from this, does this mean we could see some of these stories continued or we could see a movie come from this? And I don't know if like what the deal is, like, you know, if the artist signs a contract and they can never tell the story again, unless on under certain circumstances, I just want yeah, because it. it's want an anthology more. series. Yeah, but the thing, the thing with Netflix that I'm hoping, because I'm hoping that it doesn't become very homogenous in who produces in produces and makes guest opportunities to make films. Because mm-hmm. the thing, uh, the one of the biggest um, benefits of Netflix is because it allows, it has been allowing people of color to produce projects that they haven't been able to make in like. Mm-hmm not only in Hollywood, but internationally, because we have a lot of films um, like produced in Africa, because you have like The Boy Who Harnessed the Ring by um, Chiwetel Ejiofor, and then you have The Burial of Kojo, and you have like a lot of mm-hmm. films by women of color from like, and people, and people of color from all over the world. But I'm hoping that Netflix doesn't get bogged down into like producing big budget films and like usually, and like then it ends up being like produced mainly by white people again, because then it'd be like, you're just becoming a mini Hollywood and that's not what I want. Because the thing, if you look at um, this Love, Death and Robots, all the, almost all the writers are men. I think there's only one woman and mm. like, you can tell when you're watching the show that it was directed by men, written by men and created by men. Because by the third episode, I tweeted, I'm like, um, men were created the same because it was like the nudity like i could not get past all the tips and ass forget my language people but that was literally Mm -hmm. what this is this this and it spoiled my enjoyment for a lot of the um the the shows and the thing is is even 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 if there's not bladed nudity there's like symbolism for like feminine um for feminine anatomy so like beyond the equilibrium mm-hmm. like yeah there's nudity there's a love scene or whatever but if you look at the creature at the end it looks like a darn yeah. vagina and uterus with legs yeah. i'm like what the hell that took me yeah. out it was like Which, that one tripped Ooh, that one tripped me out because i was like yo yo yeah. what yeah no it tripped me out at first i was like oh my god and that thing is freaking hideous and what i was like and then the, the, I paused it. I was like, that thing mm-hmm. looks like a vagina, a cervix, and a uterus with legs. Yep. So yep. I was like, yo, that you, I, it, so it literally spoiled my enjoyment of the whole story because it was so, I was so shocked by what, what, the, what the reveal was. I'm like, plot twist, this is like great. And mm-hmm. then like, you got a, basically a, the, 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 the only thing that, that it didn't have was boobs. Pretty much, which is like, if y'all can check it out yourselves to see how what happens, because like that, that's truly the plot. Just like pause. I was just like, so did he have sex with that thing, or was that in his head? I think that was in his head. Okay, okay. Cool. I think it was doing like it was doing it telepathically. So I'm not gonna spoil okay. it because like the plot twist really is worth watching it. But yeah. like just looking at what it actually looks like, like the creation frame, like. These men did they not do they did they not have any women working on this on any of these mm-hmm. films to say like you guys need to pull it back just a little because you're it's like it's like they use like ex, it's basically exploitation of the female anatomy of the female body and quite a few of them and quite and a few of them I, mean, I think I think like there's some where it's like super implied like Good Hunting I really enjoyed but it's like uh, I don't know. 
I, I don't know how to put it. Torture, it's just like, it almost became torture porn because the thing with Good Hunter, I like the premise of the story. I like mm-hmm. the different types of animation because it has like, it, it was like, so it was, it's set in China. Um, mm-hmm. So China at the turn of the century. So this is just when um, England was now beginning to basically colonize mm-hmm. um, Asia. So this is when they got um, into China and they were like basically... For, for, like you know doing what Europeans do when it comes to colonization mm-hmm. taking their own culture imperialization taking their own culture and forcing it onto the mm-hmm. to the to the indigenous people and it's interesting because it, it's all steampunk so it's like you, they're showing you how mechanization became mm-hmm. a part of Chinese culture but it's from like a fantasy point point of view and it, and it has like enemy um elements and creatures from um eight I would say Asian folklore because there's this there's this creature Asian folklore. There's the nine tail fox, because mm-hmm. um, there's which is usually Japan and um, Korea. But there's these creatures and they have them and it's used in the story very interestingly. But then when you look at how the female characters are treated, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, you like she's found her strength, but like for her to find her strength, like she was brutally raped, tortured, mutilated, yep. and I'm like. So she couldn't find her strength. Like, like you, like I was like, so for her to become strong, you had to like literally take away everything that made her who she was. I'm like, what the hell is this? I'm like, yeah. it's a great allegory, but I'm like, as a woman, like when I look at it, I'm like, really? Like how I many mean, of these characters in this series were raped, mutilated, tortured in some way? The only yeah. ones I can think of that didn't go through anything that from the ones that I watched were Helping Hand. But she ended mm-hmm. up getting hurt anyway because she had to break her arm. Yeah. Um, so the only one that I can think of in any of them is Lucky 13. Yeah, I guess so. Because That's I mean, like, crazy. even in the first yeah. one, Sunny's Edge is like <laughs> you find you find out the backstory of Sunny, and I'm just like, oh God. And then when the monsters are fighting, you get the dip- it's basically a visualization or metaphor of like the monster. Like the the one the one she's fighting that her monster is fighting is raping her all over again. Because yeah, because like, if you look at the imagery, right? Like the imagery, he's pinned her up against the wall. He's stabbed her in his side. He's holding onto the wall and like yeah, a, like in a sexual stance. And it's very like, damn. But then she comes through and she like she wins. But then it's like as a story, I don't want to give away the plot twist either for that one. So y'all can go ahead and read it. But it's like there's there's yeah. like a lot of it throughout. And mm, I mean violence I, against I, human I, bodies. I'm like yeah. uh, I too am kind of like irritated and tired of the story of like for women to be empowered, they have to go through pain, which is usually rape. And I feel like Okay, yes, there are women who are rape victims who have found their strength afterwards. That's great. And that is a story that should be told. So like after I saw it the one time, I was like, cool, that is a great way to take that and use it as motivation and everything. But then, like you're saying, there's times when it's like it's just overkill, where it's done like continuously or like, I don't know, like because like with good hunting, I yeah, I just I, I liked how like the whole point of it is just like how the England came through the colonization took away like her powers and it stripped Mm. her. But then it's like you said, like she had to be brutally raped and her body was torn apart and she was literally to take, and she was forced to take these things. So I, I took that as this, like, this is forcing, they were forcing her to assimilate to (laughs) their desires. And I was just like, right. Because mm -hmm. like on one hand you say, Oh, it's like there, she, there, she's taking again her, the pain, 
and the, mm-hmm. the, the, that they give her and using it against her because she was seeking revenge. But then mm-hmm. when you look at it, it's like, but then she's no longer who she ever was. Like, yeah. she, okay, so I have to spoil this because I can't discuss like exactly what my big problem with this. Okay, so she's uh, Kitsune. I think it's a, a Kitsune. And so it's mm-hmm. like this mythical fox creature and so like her mother gets killed like her head gets chopped off and it's like graphic and so like she becomes friends with this human and like they're friends and and then like again like you have the mechanization and you have europe and england coming in and doing the thing so like she becomes Mm -hmm. uh basically like uh what's the word um a bar girl so she's like you know like Mm -hmm. a companion for these rich for these rich white men and like there's one of them and his, and his whole thing is like he basically can't get aroused by the female natural female body. He's he he's aroused by machines. So mm-hmm. he literally brutal br- like drugs brutalizes her. her, drugs her, and tortures her because remember she does she's not she's awake for it. And he literally mm-hmm. takes her p- body apart. And yep. uh, and the only thing remaining of her body that's human is her head. Mm-hmm. So she goes to her friend, and her friend is like, "I'm gonna help you." Become. I'm gonna improve your body. So again, you have the man who's supposed to be her friend, literally changing her body again. Well, it's a, a better oiled machine. It's like they basically upgraded her. He he, took, he upgraded her. I kind of took like her friend's way of like they've already like that. He couldn't revert. Yeah. He couldn't take. He couldn't give her back the body she had. And like she's talking about like how she can't transform. Yeah. So I do kind of see like what he did is just like well I can't like we can't I can't help you get back to the way you were. But yeah. what I can do, and like I, I appreciate that this was her way. She chose. She chose to, to do like. It. She chose to let him help her, and like, and allow him to like give her these modifications so that she at least could transform into a Kitsuna way again when she wanted to. When she could, she could transform into like the way she was to at least be close to the power she had. So, yeah, I mean, like, with, but it with, sucked because it's like she truly had no other choice. But but is is that? But then it's like she still. A, she's still a product of their of their time, right? She's still a product of European colonization because she's mm-hmm. a machine. Because without them coming, she would have never been turned into a machine. You know, you understand what I mean? It's yeah. like, oh yeah, no, I get what you're saying. I mean, like, I guess with uh, it's, I don't know if I should have taken it as like with the, with him with his way, the way he mm-hmm. like the way he did it. His way was supposed to be nurturing, and then like they showed them in a lot of positions that could have been, um, I would say, like a, a metaphor for sex. And it's well, like, that again, bothered me too because mm-hmm. I'm like which is like again it's like the whole trope of like oh you have to have a good man in your life and then he'll heal you with his body and I'm just like I see what y'all are trying to do I'm, again with the imagery because like okay okay yeah. he, so he's working on her body he has her laid out a lot. okay so if you have like a sports car you would have a sports car a sports car in the mechanic in the um in mm-hmm. the mechanic shop and you're fixing it and whatever and there's like it's a car but for her they literally mm-hmm. have her in sexual positions I'm like why do yeah. we need to have her splayed out literally like in sexual positions for him to be like putting in gears like mm-hmm. and that's what and like, that was what? my point it's just like they're trying to make it that's like the whole like they're still sexualizing I'm, her I'm, in her transformation yeah. i'm like writers men male directors male writers <laughs> you did not have any women to look at you to say what the hell are you doing like I would have, if I was one of the a women in one of the, a woman in one of these men's lives, I would have, and I saw him drawing this, I would have been like, yo. So he's giving her gears and and bolts, her nuts and bolts and whatever. And um, <laughs> instead of having her on a table, like surgically, you know, like 
thing. You have mm-hmm. her bent over a table with her ass, mechanical ass, laid out. And then there's that shot. And then there's a shot for boobs and like her nether regions. And I'm like, you're like, you're still objectifying her. Yep. Which in their minds, I bet you they probably like, cause again, it's like the same thing with Tyler Perry. I'm just calling out Tyler Perry. Cause this is how yeah. I, I've seen it the most where it's like a woman has left an abusive situation or a relationship. And then she meets a man and that man is the answer to her problem. And, but like, granted she has her own agency and she at the end and everything, but it's like, it sucks because at the, it's, it, they probably meant it as like, Oh, this is because they have this connection and they're friends and they have this, this bond and everything. And this is and like, in their portrayals of him working on her body was supposed to mean something more romantic. But know. at the same time, it's still, but in the, like in the positions they had her, it definitely comes off as, yeah, this is sexualizing yeah. her. So, like, yeah. But I mean, like, still one of my favorite ones just because of the animation and stuff. But so I do have issues. The story potential, but, like, so the yeah. only one that I didn't have any problems with story-wise is, again, mm-hmm. Lucky 13. Gotcha. I don't know if you got to the yogurt one then yet. That yogurt one kind of didn't make, well, <laughs> didn't make sense. I kind of got it because I kind of got it because I think it was supposed to be, like, and it's talking about America and how Americans are willing mm-hmm. to let almost any stupid entity be, become their leaders if it has a vaguely good idea. Mm-hmm. So but you know, it's also like it's, it's kind of like this whole—it's like this whole existential crisis of like, man, we really do just mess up everything, even when we have the instructions. But it's yeah. like the yogurt knew we would mess it up, so why did the yogurt do this besides just to know we were going to be doomed? From I the guess beginning. it's kind of supposed to be like an allegory for God as well, because God knows that we were going to sin, so He added. But I'm like, oh yeah, God was like, I give you the Ten Commandments. <laughs> you said mm-hmm. this is your this is your blueprint of how and what not to do. But I'm going to give True. you Jesus as a way out. So I guess that's kind of like where it was going. But it kind of also reminded me a lot of Black Mirror. Oh yes, yeah, yes. very Black Mirror-ish feel to it. Yes, which it was. And then oh, one more I wanted to mention. There's so many. Like we could talk about. We could have a whole episode just breaking down all of them. But like shapeshifters. Oh. I like that one a lot. That I was the I werewolf really like the animation. I like the animation of it. Yes, I like the animation of it. I didn't care. There is parts of it where I like was one. I love werewolves. I love werewolves. Mm-hmm. Mo- werewolf movies. So yeah. I kind of liked it. Where like, oh, the idea that okay, werewolves exist and people are okay with it as long as they fight for them in their wars. I'm like, mm-hmm. I like this telling of how people treat veterans. Mm-hmm. Like kind of like how people use soldiers for their war and they and then like they feel like they have the excuse of like you're just a dog you're just a soldier dog you don't yeah. matter and everything um and this whole like that whole thing and i'm just like like in my head when i was watching it i was just like he could rip your throat mm-hmm. out what is y'all problem like <laughs> that was my only problem with the story it's just like why are y'all talking to these werewolves like y'all crazy like they can kill you they can kill all of you but, but there was obviously that story there's that part of it, but then there's also the part of it mm-hmm. with like him attacking some so they're in Afghanistan. Yes. And, okay. Like, yeah. So you have the 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 elder who's also again mm-hmm. spoilers a werewolf, and he attacks him, mm-hmm. and like so there's no what repercussions for it. We don't find out what the fallout from that is. Like what? So he's just yeah. allowed to come in and kill this man, or why? You just well, he killed he killed his friend and all their troops. Mm-hmm. So he found out that he was the one that came in and killed all of them. Underst- I understood that, but there was like no clarification afterwards. So, like, what is the repli- re- what are the what are the repercussions ah. for him doing that? 
You mean th- for him killing the elder werewolf? Yeah, I'm like, what are the repercussions okay. for him doing that? Like, I know again, it's, a, it's a short story, and like, there's only limited time, yeah. but like, still, like, we didn't see any hint mm-hmm. of like, like there could have been like a two minute, li- a two, uh, two lines where it says, okay, so we have a, a court martial, whatever, to discuss what happened. Nothing about that. Nothing, which you know they're not because like the way the Americans in that situation are going to react exactly. is like, oh, it was just he took out a quote unquote terrorist threat exactly. to them. And that's probably like how they took it. Whereas like he didn't at the end, I like that he looked at it as like, this is not my war to fight. I don't want mm-hmm. to be here anymore. I didn't, only reason I came here was for my friend yep. because my friend wanted to fight for his country because he had his friend. His friend was very I'll give him Captain America is esque, yeah. Where he felt loyalty to his country, and he felt and he wanted to display that loyalty and fight and help. Where it's just like, good for you, but these people don't give a damn about you. And your friend mm-hmm. been known, and that's why they and that's why your friend told you keep you out, keep a lookout for yourself. Because exactly. like when it all goes down, they all point fingers at them. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, I liked how at the end he realizes, like, man, I had to kill two of my own kind. And and I'm fighting for these people who could give a damn about me. Yep. So I'm just going to leave. I like that part of it where he's like, he comes to the realization of, like, this is not my word of fight. I'm leaving. And I think it's just like, it's probably I wanted to see more of the pain of, like, you just had to kill two of your own kind that you found out are over in Afghanistan. Isn't that kind of intriguing that there's more? Yeah. So like exactly. So like, where did these werewolves come from? Like mm-hmm. again, so this Which is like one of the <laughs> again. So that's why I said this is one of the stories that we could have probably I, like if they did like a second series, a second season. Ooh, yeah, could do a they, they don't have to do a continuation for all, but like this is one of the stories where if they did a, a second season, like one of the stories could be a continuation of this, or even a prequel mm-hmm. where it tells you like where like the lore and like the yeah. origin of the werewolves and stuff is. Yeah. True. It's a, so, yeah. I mean, there's a few of them with like that where like they find Dracula's tomb and then like the whole short oh, yeah. is them running away. I know what was that one. That one was um uh, uh, that one would have been a good series. Honestly, oh, Sucker of Souls. Yes, that one. Yeah, I didn't need more because first of first, all the cursing like yeah. that's another thing about this series. So much unnecessary cursing so much all oh, the f-bombs i'm like north americans lack ingenuity and creativity when it comes to cursing <laughs> sorry it's the truth no you're fine i mean <laughs> i'm filth i mean when it's when it is done well with writing i find it amusing but like when it's just like every Literally, other word, every other word <laughs> it's like, it's come like on. Uh, y'all can like, do better like, hey, that f this. hey f that are you f this what like I like that one I rolled my eyes through I barely made it through it I, I wanted to fast forward through it because I was like anyway if I wanted a Dracula story Castlevania is there so true true oh we need to I can't wait till third season but before then I will definitely review that for this show mm-hmm. um okay so any other comments we want to make on Love, Death, and Robots? Or do we want to move on? No, oh, we can move on. Because as I said, okay. I didn't watch all. I only watched up to like episode 14. Yeah, you yeah. got some more to go. But I, not, no, I don't really don't need to. No, nah, you don't have to if you don't want to. <laughs> like, eh. I mean, if knowing you, I think you probably are at a good point where you're just like, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> um, Alrighty then, moving on to the movie corner. So... Mm-hmm. Only movie I saw this month besides Captain Marvel, which we've already talked about on our other episode for that review, mm-hmm. which y'all can listen to with our special guest, Laura. Um, I watched Us. What did mm-hmm. you watch? I watched Us too. Yay! 
<laughs> should have I should have known, of course. Um, so yeah, let me read up this synopsis real quick and then we're gonna get into it. And just to let you guys know, we're going to do a light review of us because we plan on doing a special episode with a hopefully special guest that will be joining us to talk about us and we'll do, dive into it much deeper. But we'll try to keep this one brief. Um, but we probably will slip up and talk about spoilers. Probably. And, like yeah. <laughs> so us is joined by her husband, son and daughter, Adela- Adelaide Wilson returns to her childhood home. Haunted by a traumatic experience from the past, Adelaide grows increasingly concerned that something bad is going to happen. Her worst fears soon become a reality when four masked strangers descend upon the house, forcing the Wilsons into a fight for survival. When the mask comes off, the family is horrified to learn that each attacker takes the appearance of one of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> thoughts? I love this movie so much. Oh my gosh. One thing about a Jordan Peele movie that I know I I can look forward to in the future. I had a fantastic cinema experience with us, just like with Get Out. I Mm -hmm. it it was fun, it was scary, it was Mm -hmm. trippy, and I loved everything. Um I so I know for sure now because this is second from that going forward, I will probably always have a good cinema experience with a Jordan Peele film. Um, mm-hmm. I loved everything. I loved almost everything about us. It's not perfect, but it's pretty darn close for me. <laughs> um, just the way is like this. This no, there's so many ways that you can interpret his films. Yes. Um, yeah. And like there's so many like articles t- and everyone has a completely different perspective of the film. Mm-hmm. And I, I haven't read all of them. And the reason I haven't read, I haven't read any is because when we do our interview with um, Xavier, I mm-hmm. want to go in with my own interpretations first. And then right. I'm going to read like all the articles afterwards. But like, because I have my own ideas and my own mm-hmm. thoughts about the, the plot and about the story. But the, it's, it's original. But then there's so many callbacks to like past films and mm-hmm. I love that, and I lo- I love the the dichotomy of the two of the of everyone having a duality uh, yeah. of the characters, and like Lupita Nyong'o was freaking awesome, she She's was amazing. Oscar. But Oscar I have worthy. Oscar worthy for sure. Um, but I have to give I, like when I came, I did a Twitter thread, a brief Twitter thread, but I have to give a shout out to Sh- Shahidi Wright Joseph who plays mm-hmm. Zora and Ombre and. And also Madison Curry, who plays Young, Adel- young Adelaide and Young Red. Yes. The two of them are amazing. And I, and I have to say this, because in a film when you have Lupita Nyong'o, Elizabeth Moss, Winston Duke, and, like, you have these three actors who are well-known, right? Mm-hmm. And these two young women held their own in every scene yeah. they were in. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, you have to, and I have to give props to them for that, because it's not very often where children... Yeah, are able to not only hold their own but almost outshine more experienced actors, and they the two of them did an amazing job. And I yes. think Jordan Peele is fan, it, he's so him and his casting director are spot on when they do their castings. Amazing casting because again, the children, like true, truly, I'm I'm just being honest. Usually with like horror movies with children, I truly don't pay attention to children. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, usually they're going to be a victim or they're going to get possessed. Yeah. Or something will happen to them, or they're going to be in a way. But these kids, like, they added to the story, exactly, and they were very impressive. Or the oh, also the fifth one, or the child is usually a demonic thing. Yeah. Um, but in this situation, it's just it it was great to see the actors' range. 
this is a movie where you could watch this and like like the girl who played i'm sorry you, you mentioned her name um she played young adelaide adelaide young adelaide so that's her not a range. Range. yes um her range for facial expressions because yeah. she doesn't say much she doesn't have many lines but facial expressions that little girl killed it. If there was an if there was an Oscar for facial expression, she'd win. Because how at I'm I'm assuming she's six, because there's six when it happens, or but however old she is, yeah. how is it that you know how to make these faces? I'm sure there's like an acting coach and everything yeah, involved, but like she still. was chosen for a re- she was chosen for a reason. She like she mm-hmm. like you, you. She has a gift, and then she he did same thing. Like her character when she was Umbra, when Umbra or Umbre, that girl terrifying. But like the whole time, she she that smile was terrifying. It was so that, creepy. Um, it was creepy. I mean, like I wasn't like that's the thing about this movie when like a lot of people like went into it. They were expecting like, oh, it's gonna be super gory and it's gonna be terrify you. You won't be able to sleep for weeks. I'm like, I don't. I didn't feel terrified by it. It made me think. It's definitely a. Yeah. It's definitely a horror, but I feel like the genre of horror for a lot of people has been paranormal activities or, or uh, what did you do last summer? Like think like that's like their bracket for horror. Yeah. Whereas Jordan Peele, I feel like is truly in a genre of his of his own that he's shaping with horror. Where after Get Out and after this movie, I feel like I I don't know how to describe. Like someone said, Peelian horror. Is yeah, that was um, Kyle. Um, Kyle on Twitter. Yes. Yeah, he called it Pelian Howard. Yeah. Yes. So I mean, like, I, I mean, that's the best way to describe it. Like the way I mean, like, and it's not to say that it's completely different from what we've seen before. I just feel like a lot of people went into like from people I talked to, they went in, in went in expecting, oh, it's just going to be like get out, or mm-hmm. it's going to be super terrifying. You won't be able to sleep for weeks. I'm just like, I think the whole like it's it's just a horror movie. And it, it's it's totally it doesn't have to be like get out. That was like the one criticism I've seen from people that I haven't that I feel like I have to speak out on. It's like yes, this movie is not get out, and yeah, it doesn't need to be. It doesn't need to be, and I think the big thing people have to keep like reminding themselves is just like get out was his first movie. And I understand everybody wanting to compare the two, but at the same time, I like that he set the tone by saying this movie isn't about race. I mean, like we can totally interpret some things about like race from it, but oh, for sure. Like, like <laughs> I just like that the whole point of it was like this is just a movie about a black family that's going through a, a supernatural horror event, um, and they're just trying to make it. I'm like, yes, because we can just have a black family in a horror movie and they be centered around it. Yeah, because so, like going like going to your point about Madison, like the part that really like. It was one of the most unsettling things. And I, I mentioned mm. this to my, I think it was my sister. Um, when I first saw the trailer, one of the first things that came to my head was Alice in Wonderland. Because mm. I said, I said, I, is, I wonder if this is like them, this is good, like the red, because we didn't know about red or whatever. We didn't know what the plot, plot was. But yeah. in the film, like, this reminds me of Alice in Wonderland, where Alice goes down the tunnel and mm. she goes down the hole and she finds herself in this alternate, like, darker reality. And Yes. Which kind of re- which kind of reflects also in Get Out because the sunken place is a dark reality as well. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you, I have ne- as even as a child, I never liked Alice in Wonderland as a story, <laughs> never. And it always this story always unsettled me, especially the animation for the Cheshire Cat. Mm. And 
the way that she's there's a and it's very brief but this is in the oh I don't know what happened. You want to cut off the cameras? I no, I got a call. Oh, okay. No, you're fine. My my mother. I thought I put it on no disturb. She does this all the time. Okay. Excuse me, people. Sorry for that. So I was saying. So there's this very brief moment, and it's like a split second where um, young Adelaide goes into, um, and I think if you look at the outside of the, the mirror like the house of mirrors it's like there's a mm-hmm. sign that says find yourself so i'm yeah. calling it wonderland because that's the only thing i can think of to call it Ooh. and um so when she goes into wonderland when she first meets young red like the first thing we see on red like we see her the back of her head yeah. and you know that this is like an ominous being and then she turns around but then the second time they show it which is probably then the second time they, we see them like young red is looking at young adelaide and just mm-hmm. before the the just before the 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 scene switches, she has this like this grin on her face. Yeah, and this sinister. grin remind this sinister grin, and it reminded me of the Cheshire Cat from from Wait. Alice in Wonderland. And I tell you, it creep. That was probably one of Carolyn. the creepiest moments in the film. Carolyn, but yeah. I feel like you just you just like had that's like a theory because like okay, Alice in Wonderland mm-hmm. deals with like the Looking Glass. Oh, can you hear me? Nope. Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. So I feel like you just like discovered, I haven't seen this theory yet, but I feel like you just like kind of like came up with a theory on the spot where Alice in Wonderland deals with like, you know, the looking glass mirrors and all that. Mm-hmm. Like the looking glass is the portal to Wonderland. Yep. Which that maze, what the Hall of Mirrors is the portal to the tethered and yep. red the qu- the queen is where's the queen of red hearts. is the queen of hearts red Listen, that was my theory from the beginning that was my theory from the beginning from the first time i saw the trailer oh girl that was, my, yeah, that, that was one of my theories and i wanted to write about it but again it was like due to like health and stuff i haven't been able to write yeah. but I, I want to discuss this with, i want to discuss this with the Xavier because yeah like i said like obviously one has always been one of the stories that creep me the hollow as a kid and the cheshire cat mm-hmm. is my least favorite fictional animal mm. give me ghouls werewolves whatever i eat that freaking cheshire cat no matter what and uh, no matter what if i read it in eden blyton books if i read it in a penguin um mm-hmm. adaptation no all the animations i've ever seen for the cheshire cat has always unsettled me and that smile on her face that yeah. smirk reminded me of that and i'm like this child scares the crap out of me. Oh yeah, like, I would not want to see. I would than, not want to see more that More than face. Red, more than Umbre, more mm-hmm. than Pluto, more than the adults. That little girl scared the bejesus be out of me. And I there's would another- not want to see that face. If I was, it's like you know how like you turn off the lights to your basement and then you run up the stairs because you don't. Yes. Imagine if she was standing there smiling like that. Listen, she unsettled me because like the only other film that I said that has made me feel this way was when I watched Hereditary and Hereditary is a film that I couldn't even stay until the very end. Like I was more than scared. I was unsettled and I felt uncomfortable in my own skin and I felt uncomfortable in the cinema and I just, I was mm-hmm. like, no, I have to leave. And that little girl gave me the same 
vibe. And like, I'm like, oh, if they put her in a thriller where she grows up, like, woo, girl, no, woo. I just think about it now, sending shivers on my spine. But like Madison Curry, like, kudos to you, girl. You creep me out. And that's a very hard thing to do. Um. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I mean, like, it's, I think that's just like a very unique gift at that age i think she has a great gift and talent i hope we see more of her because like you said like that was terrifying like that face she made and i think Mm -hmm. that's like my biggest thing on like in most of this movie is just like the people like the actors expressions really got me um and then i'm just again we have to remind ourselves everybody played two roles like in (laughs) like i liked how like the tethered parts of themselves were still like indications of themselves but like there are there are, there are their mirror like, images tr- right but they're just them but without a soul yeah. right so um so like one of mm-hmm. the other things that I, I i had intended to write about was with them it kind of reminded me of like as some of the chronic illness i identify with them as being like you are the my yeah. other self there's okay. the healthy me and then there's this, then there's the unhealthy me. That's the way I, I was relating because like I was thinking about it. I'm like, they're like the the third part is like the the MS for me. It was like the MS is like it's laying dormant, but then it has its moments where like I go I go into relapse and it becomes and it's there and it's like I can't do without because they are it's the other me, right? And so like when I saw that, I, I've been thinking about is it, like they are also like a lot of people say they're like for. Um, you can look at it from a religious aspect, from a psychological aspect. For me, I was looking at it from a health aspect too, right? Saw them as being like a representation of like my illness of like MS because MS is like, mm. or, like it's like I go into relapses and then I go into remission or whatever. And like, I kind of saw them as being like the other version of me. Like there's the mm. normal version, which looks normal on the outside and everything. But then there's the tethered version, which is like me in a relapse. It's like, I like... I don't walk the way that I normally walk. I don't talk mm-hmm. the way I normally talk. I don't act the way I normally act and that kind of stuff. Right. So I kind of start from that perspective. So that's one of the things where I said, I think that's one of the things about a Jordan Peele film, because mm-hmm. like there's so many ways you can interpret his. And I think that's a, a hallmark of a really great storyteller in the yeah. fact that he, ha- he has his own plans, but even, even though you may interpret it differently or you may see something different to what he may have intended. The fact mm-hmm. that even if you still boil down to the whole idea of, duality and the, and the idea of like double consciousness or the idea of like every person has their the face they show to the world and then they're hidden they're hidden self that's still the story mm-hmm. that he that he has and i think that's great because there's other films where the story is the story it is what it is but for his films like the way that we can interpret it i love that fact about his films it's not perfect because i felt there's some things he telegraphed like way too early in the film um yeah yeah Which- and i yeah, I don't know how to feel about that. Almost like because I mean, one, I love a good twist. Yeah, I love I love a good twist. But I also I, like there was some stuff that almost went over my head, and so like I thought back to it a little bit, and like I saw it again, where it's just like how um, Red talks in the when like when she's in the room when they all like bust into the family's room, and yeah. you're just like, huh she's the only one that can talk. Is that because like, is that because she learned how, or is that like, and like, as I'm watching it the first time, that's how I'm trying to process it. Yeah. But then when you get the reveal, you realize, oh, that's why she talks like that. Because she's literally and the only person why, who learned to talk. Who learned how to talk. And she was six, 
six. And like, that's the thing that I have to keep reminding myself. Like she was six years old. The only one down there who was able to talk, she went through something traumatic, exactly. which by, y'all, by now y'all were talking about the reveal that red is actually the real Adelaide because mm-hmm. the real red switched places with her, which yep. I have to say, how sinister of a, are you at six years old to end like, but she this doesn't have think, a soul. Remember, the tattered. You're right. Have she don't have. They're, a, they're us, but without souls. So of course she's right, going to do that. Because she doesn't have a conscience. Yes, but then this is so. This is what I got. I gotta make sure I make make it make sense this time when I say because I've talked to my friends about this before. So, red. Mm-hmm. When she, we know that the tethered are just basically the shadows. They yes. do what the real people do, and they just do it without any thought. They don't get to choose what they do. They don't have an identity, basically. But when Adelaide walks away from her dad at the at the boardwalk, yeah. and she turns and goes to the mirror house, we see that red turns. I can't remember if this red turn first or does Adelaide turn first because does Adelaide? I'm sorry, does red call her there and make her move I there? Think, there was something special about red. I she think had red, enough thought process to do that. Yeah. She, but that's the thing because it says in the um because when she's talking at the end like you get the sense that she's always had and she's always been different to the yes. others she always been more mm-hmm. independent or she knew she had a sense that there's something special about them so I think they called each they 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 went they called each other right so it was like yeah. she went because I was like but that little girl was I'm like little so literally there's one of the, like the times in the film like I said this one of those films where you have to talk and I was like mm-hmm. where is this little black girl going and the guy next to me he was like. Girl, go back to your parents. Where are you going? And yes. I was like, where's this little black girl going? I'm like, you should know better than to be walking off in the middle of the night. And that going is down what to the made beach. me. Yes. And I'm like, you know what? Something's wrong with this child because she should know better than to be walking off, mm-hmm. eating her freaking candy apple. Another reference to, um, I think, to Alice in Wonderland because, you know, apple kind of looks like a heart, queen of hearts, anything. Anyway. Ooh. And um, in red. And red. <laughs> and... I'm like, where does the girl going into the freaking night into this? Like, I, as a black child, my mother gave mm-hmm. me, the, I, I knew enough not to not only wander away from my mother, but to not go mm-hmm. into places, dark, scary places. Like, no. Exactly. Which, again, this is like, that's what, I, I can't remember. I felt like, like Adelaide, the real Adelaide, when she's talking, she's like, you called to me. Yeah. And I think it's like we took, like when you first watch it, you're like, oh, so the real Adelaide called her there. Like that's why they ended up there. But then that's what I yeah. you realize. I'm like, wait, she called to me. I was just mm-hmm. like, or you called to me. So I'm like, that's what made me think that Red was special enough to realize that she wants the life that her other has. And she's yeah. going to take that life mm-hmm. and she's going to switch places with her. And yep. again, she's only six. She has no soul. She's sinister and evil. But then she does gain some kind of humanity and everything after like being with loving parents and family and having and yep. having that. So it's the nurture versus nature that she does become a caring person. But then also you like you realize like, oh, the other question I almost question people is with is like, does she truly care about her family or does she care about keeping her secret? I think she cares about keeping her secret because she, if she had allowed them to take the, if she had allowed the red, the reds to take the tether to take her family, they would mm-hmm. have known something was up because yeah. like she knows their safety and numbers. Right. Yeah. And, and that little smirk at the end, at the very end, lets you know mm-hmm. that she was always kind of aware that something was going to go on. Cause there's a scene and this is, 
the scene I want to talk about with um, Xavier. Mm-hmm. There's a scene where she's like standing at the glass window. Yes. And, like you can see her reflection. Like, mm-hmm. so Lupita's facing a glass window as she's looking outside. And this is just before the, te- the, the family comes and like her yep. reflections in the mirror. And if you look at the re- reflection, like the way mm-hmm. her body moves is like, for me, I was like, it was almost like a physical change in her. Like you could see her body like physically changing as mm-hmm. she becomes, okay, like I'm going to have to start. That's why she was so afraid. Like you could see like the battle in herself. She's like, okay, my, like the other me, this is like the real me. I'm trying to suppress mm-hmm. the real me from coming out. So she had to like put on the performance of being scared and whatever, because yeah. I don't think she feels fair. She doesn't feel fair. She doesn't feel emotions mm-hmm. because you remember when she was on the beach again, like going way into it, but like, like yeah. she told, um, she told like Elizabeth Moss character, which is Kitty. She's like, I know I don't do well mm-hmm. the conversation. And there's a lot of hints in the film that lets you know that she was all with that, that let me know from mm-hmm. super early that she was yeah. um, another. And that one was a dead giveaway to me. Cause she said she doesn't really do conversation one. Mm-hmm. And but then the other scene was when she was young and her mom, they were at the therapist and the mom mm-hmm. was saying, that's not my daughter. I want my daughter back. And I was like, yep, bam, that's the other. I knew from that moment, I'm like, that's not the real Adelaide. That's the mm-hmm. setter in playing in playing with the toys. Because remember, yeah. and, like, she had them lined up and everything. And I was mm-hmm. like, the, to me, that was one of the points where I thought he gave it away, give away the story just a little bit too easily. Um, I think he definitely left, like, there were some bigger breadcrumbs than other ones like um red like the whole like making us believe that she's just traumatized Mm -hmm. and then you realized oh no she's just learning how to talk yeah like she's she's but then i'm like this little girl is smart enough to know that she should that she needs to learn how to talk like yeah so she's not gonna say anything yeah she's not gonna say anything i was just like how diabolical is this is this character and then you (laughs) realize I stand a diabolical villain who's actually supposed, who's playing the victim, who's the heroine. I, mm-hmm. I don't know how to feel about. I have because so many the thing is, like, who, like, who is the real? Are there? And that's one of the big questions of this film. Like, who is the real villain in us? Yeah. And I don't think, and I don't. Is it Adelaide? Because she, they, she's been stuck in literally this hellhole almost her whole life, and she's been working her way out to get out. To find people, but then it's like the yeah. method that she goes about it, slaughtering others. Is like she's not targeting the one person who who like yeah. took her life. She's targeting literally everyone else. So it's like well, they trying to they basically gave her the role of their savior. Like they yeah, they but, like but then it was the way that realized, yeah. So she used that power to her advantage of just like hmm, I have an army of doppelgangers that I can now deploy, exactly. and everybody so, can keep their revenge. Exactly. So, so like, I feel sympathy for you because your life was taken from you by this little girl. She put literally put you in this hellhole, and like you had to learn to adapt and whatever. But like you're slaughtering all these people to get back at this one yeah. person. But then it's like you're you're like you're like with Adelaide, who's actually red. You're like mm-hmm. okay, so like you're diabolical, you're evil. You put this little girl in this hellhole, but then like, you have this family and they sympathize with you because it seems that like you care for your family and like mm-hmm. you know. But then at the end, like are you going to go back to your evil ways? Like how, like, so like, that's just the whole thing. That's what's so interesting about it. That is, that is the concerning thing. Cause like now that she is truly untethered, now that mm-hmm. she's untethered, what does that mean? Like she, she looks like she is so relieved that she's killed. Adelaide, yeah. She killed a part of her that, that she is has now soul. free. 
Yeah. And then she's like, so the whole symbolic thing of like the handcuffs of like how like she kept those handcuffs on the entire time. And it wasn't until after she killed her that that's the symbol of them being untethered finally. Yep. And then, like you said, like, what does this mean moving forward? You know, she knows that her son knows. Like, yes, you, sure. she knows that the son, that the boy knows something. And the boy's like, Mm-mm, you like you my mama, but something ain't right and that's like the whole like that look they shared and uh there's and the whole <laughs> the rhythm thing there's just like a bunch like we said there's a bunch of different like breadcrumbs yeah. throughout we can't go too much really again, we got at least some discussion for the other podcast yeah we gotta yeah we don't get into it but i will leave this with saying like i want that soundtrack i want mm. i got five on it done and that, that the instrument just because that fight scene, like the the big fight scene when she's doing all these pirouettes and twirls and everything and then Lupita Nyong'o is terrifying when she just like looks at you and darts away and runs yeah I cackled I I cackled in the theater I'm like did she just yep she gone (laughs) oh my god she but oh my god I stand she needs an Oscar she needs leading Mm -hmm. role Oscar oh and sorry last thing for me Winston Duke I really enjoyed that he was not the big brolic man that saved the day. I yeah. loved that he was the um, comedic relief and that he he just was, he was the corny black dad. <laughs> he was corny he and he reminded me of my brother because my brother uses like humor when he's in uncomfortable situations that like he resorts to humor. So I, I really related to that but then um, there was points in time like i was in the cinema and i literally said gabe you on your own like if you die you die mm-hmm. fool you know like the gift with um thing for rocky if he dies he dies that was literally me in the cinema i'm like fool you on your own i'm like girl yeah. get your kids and run leave him behind if he lives he, if he dies he dies mm-hmm. you should have listened when she said like we need to go we need to go to mexico i mean granted and yeah i don't know if that would have helped because it would have because um I don't think they went to, I think that was strictly for North America because it was about the hands across America and not, okay. not a work across the world. And don't forget, Ooh. there was also a limited perspective of Adelaide as a child, right? That was her, yeah. her idea as a child. So, and that was the thing I was discussing with my sister. I'm like, her plan has a huge flaw. They gather their hands and they stretch across America. What else? What, what then? What is the end goal? That's They're it. just going to stand there till they deteriorate because she has a child. Her she can only operate from her limited knowledge as a child, right? And yeah. she saw this thing, but she like she didn't have an end goal. She didn't say, okay, we we unify. What is the what's the point of unity? And she kind of reminded me of Killmonger because like you have this whole plan of re- revolution and revenge, but then what is your end goal? What how do you implement your end goal? Are you just going to stand there in the mm-hmm. sun in the winter? Like you're going to stand there till all the till like they all fall apart and decay. Which is like, I guess that's where like I had to I discuss this also with other people. I'm just like, so is it just the fact that they have now killed their person, and then that has like freed them from feeling tethered? So now they have an identity. But then you don't. There's nothing else to be told. Like because the way it ends, you just see the people holding hands. Yeah, we but, don't but, know where else this direction is because it could go somewhere else. It could not go somewhere. But like you said, she's six years old, and then her knowledge of the outside world is so limited that mm-hmm. her diabolical plan is really simple it's very simplified like a child like yeah. i want to kill the person who put me here yep. who gave me this life that i did not have a choice for hmm? and and the cutting of the paper scissors that that kind of also reminds you that she is a child because that's something that children do that they learn in arts and crafts mm-hmm. right so like that's yep. the thing too so like her, she she has a very simplified idea of revenge and this 
And I don't think she was saying it as a revolution. She was just saying, like, we want... It's like kids, when they aren't grounded, she's like, I don't want to be grounded anymore. I want to go sit and play with my friends. So it's kind yeah. of that whole thing. So it's like, what? So yeah. like, okay, Adelaide. It kind of reminded your... me of like the Morlocks. Like um, the people, the, a society living underneath a society. Oh, oh okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Time Machine. That's the movie or the book also where it's from, where it's like the Morlocks are the people who live underground and mm-hmm. they are basically, basically being subjugated to like this harsh life. And I think like, I could be getting this wrong from memory because I haven't read it forever um, or seen it, but it's like some people from above are being sacrificed to the Morlocks and that's how things are being like the yeah, status yeah, quo in order. Yeah. Yeah. The status quo is kept. So then it's kind of like, it's not that this is the same situation, but it's kind of like the, the tethered decide they want to break the status quo that they want. They want to have their moment. In yeah. The they want their, they want like, their own freedom. They want, they want mm-hmm. to be free, right? But then again, it's like, yeah. what is your idea of freedom? Yeah, because you see Kitty, kind of like her tethered. She like saw like as like, oh, now I can have the pretty things. Now I can have shiny like earrings and I can put on makeup. And like, I'm the one who's, I actually get, because the way she put it on, she put it on like it was for the first time ever, but because like it actually was, it wasn't imaginary anymore. Yeah. So it's kind of like, and then the other guy, um, her husband's tethered, he puts on the guy's clothes. So... <laughs> it's weird they just like decided like we're gonna have their lives now but then we're gonna hold hands and that's it but yeah uh i love that movie (laughs) but we're gonna save other things and theories for when we talk with xavier um that'll be coming up shortly and with that i think we have concluded another episode yes we have Yes, we talked for a bit. Thank y'all for letting us geek out about us <laughs> and everything else. And yeah, so again, as always, you can find me on Twitter at LA underscore N-E-Y underscore S-H-A. And you can find me at Carrie C-N-H one two. So that's C-A-R-R-I-E-C-N-H one two on at Twitter. And again, thank you for joining us for another episode of So Here's What Happened. And this won't be for the end of the month of March. And Please forgive us for the glitches that we might have. We've had some technical difficulties mm-hmm. because, you know, technology is petty, which yep. is kind of uh, which is kind of um, fitting for today because today is the 20th anniversary of the Matrix release, right? So, of oh. course, it's like, you know, <laughs> the Matrix is glitching on us and it's trying to make us assimilate, but we won't. Um, <laughs> but again, thank you for that. joining us for another episode. And we look, for, and we look forward to your comments and your tweets and whatever. Just let us know. And everyone have a good month. Good April. Yep. See y'all. Bye. Bye.